You're listening to Voices of the Street, a podcast series brought to you by Megaphone Magazine, featuring original writing from the 2021 Voices of the Street Literary Anthology. This podcast is recorded on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Megaphone is changing the story on poverty by promoting social equity, amplifying marginalized voices, and creating meaningful work. You can purchase a copy of the anthology from your local Megaphone vendor. And for more information, visit megaphonemagazine.com. These stories may deal with difficult topics. Please see the show notes for more information about the topics in this podcast. There are places to reach out for support. For this final episode of the Voices of the Street podcast series, we are continuing our conversation with Eva Takakino. In conversation with host Angel Gates, Eva reads her poem, My Mother's Comfort, published in the 2021 Voices of the Street anthology. You can listen back to part four of this series to hear Eva read out her reflections about the poem. In today's episode, longtime friends Angel and Eva share and discuss pieces of writing that shine a light on the traumatic histories and ongoing impacts of the Indian residential school system and the 60s scoop. Hello, I'm Angel Gates. My Indian name is Gutsisk Ajat. I'm from the Haida Nation. I'd like to recognize that we are on the Tsleil-Waututh, Coast Salish, and Musqueam unceded territory and thank them for allowing us to do this on their lands. I am here with Eva Takekino, Poundmaker. Hi, Eva. Hi. Um, Eva and I are old friends. So, Eva, would you like to just tell us where you're from? I am from Thunder Child First Nation, which is in Turtle Horde, Saskatchewan. Nice. So I um, was looking through the magazine, and of course I saw you there, and as you, you know, we go way back, and I saw that you have a poem and a story in um, the magazine called Mother's Comfort. Uh, Would you like to read your poem? Sure. And then we'll just talk a little bit about that. I feel so so very small as I try and figure out where I've fallen off track. I sold my soul to the devil and then I stole it back. In the end, a dope fiend has got no friends and a junkie is a junkie till the bitter end. I tie myself off and shoot it in my veins. I have just hidden in another day's pain. I find my mother's comfort here in a needle and spoon. Christmas is no fun, waiting for good times that seem to never come. Tired of the detox, the weird spaces in my mind. Tired of the misery, tired of doing time. There's no need to figure it out. I know where I'd fallen off track. I sold my soul to the devil and then I stole it back. That's beautiful. Yeah, so we do have a lot in common. You talked about the day you wrote this, how you were feeling. Could you maybe explain that to me a little bit? So I'd been downtown for about six or seven years, alone in my room by myself, (laughs) shooting crystal meth in my veins. I find writing really helps a lot to get what's in my head out. So it's just something I wrote. It's very beautiful. And I think that it'll speak to a lot of people who are probably feeling the same way a lot. I know for myself, I felt that way. 
is kind of hopeless and you know judging myself for being a drug user I've kind of gotten out of that a little bit um so tell me a little bit about because you mentioned your mother and your poems so maybe tell me a little bit about your mother so I have two moms I have a, my biological mother who was pushed from the Balmoral Hotel in 1988 from the fourth story I was six years old I don't really remember being with her at all but and then I have my adopted mother who's been there through thick and thin <laughs> and uh yeah <laughs> so I talk about a little, a little bit about both of them yeah um my mother was murdered in the Balmoral too you know that so we've we have a weird strange connection <laughs> only I was 21 when my mom was murdered yeah and I I was a part of the 60s scoop like yourself mm-hmm. only I was a ward of the court so I don't know like how old were you when you found out you were adopted I've always known I was adopted, but I was adopted when I was just after my second birthday. Oh, see, that's see, I've been trying to figure out how to honor my mom on the anniversary of her death. So I usually tried to get I haven't made it to the cemetery in years. But I was reading that you honor your mom by leaving flowers at the Belmoral. I think I might start doing that because that's a beautiful yeah. way to do it. And it's so much closer. And yeah. do people ever like talk to you about like why you're leaving flowers there or? Uh, well, I did actually just. um Last month, when my mom's death day came around, um, actually. And no, not really. I think a lot of people understand. um, There's a lot of women that get killed down here. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you were mentioning about your adopted mom and how she's been there. And, like, how do you make, like, room for... I mean, you have your mom in your heart and then your mom that's alive. Like, how do you do that? Well, it's like... I have the mom, my mom who gave me life, and then my mom who's been there throughout my life. You know what I mean? The, my adopted mom, actually, like she wanted me long before I, I ever came to her. So her and I have a special bond, even though I, I was a very like, difficult child to raise and I had a lot of problems of my own. What was it like for you growing up? Because like, you said you always knew it, that you were adopted. Was it like, how was school for you? Well, if you read the story from Voices of the Street, you will know that school, school was terrible. I hated school. I was always being made fun of for being like native in a white family. And the stigma that I, that I have experienced throughout my whole life, right? Um, However, you know, just, just is. (laughs) I hated school too. My thing is that I was always too... I was always too native or I was not native enough. Yeah. You know, I was never because I'm so light. Right. Yeah. It's funny here because I was just reading that um, you cut off your eyelashes when you were a kid for being made fun of. I did the exact same thing and I shaved off my eyebrows and then I got made fun of way more. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told me I had Indian eyes and I took that as a bad thing. Like, oh, my God, I, sh- I shouldn't have these eyes. And so I went into the bathroom with those little you know, safety scissors, and then cut them all off. So I cut mine off, too. Yeah. <laughs> I must yeah. have looked so silly with yeah. these little peanut eyebrows and, like, no eyelashes. Yeah. Yeah, I did the exact same thing. It's so funny. So I know more, I know a lot about your story, and I know, like, you've overcome so much. I'm totally proud of you. Thank you. We need more people, like, in our Indigenous community, like yourself, who go and do some wonderful things, even though, I mean... I don't know, you've used drugs, you've done whatever you've done out here, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you're, and what is it now that you're, what are you doing today? 
That's oh, I just graduated my second year of family community counseling, and I'll be going to school in September to take Indigenous justice. That's fantastic. And I hope to be prime minister in 10 years. I hope so, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's my goal, anyways. I would vote for you. We need a... Excellent. We need to have an Indigenous You can be prime my minister, campaign sure. manager. <laughs> I totally would, too. Totally. Let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, I totally love your story. This is like a really nice piece. When I'm reading it, like I'm just like, holy crap, we have so much in common. You know, it's that's probably why I'm finding it so hard to find more questions is because how do I talk about this? Like, because I already know and I know like exactly where you've been. So your mom, I guess, is uh, your adopted mom. Mm-hmm. is relieved now and proud and like just happy that you're. Oh, I mean, I've put her through hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can imagine what it'd be like to to have have your daughter downtown Vancouver doing drugs, not knowing where she was and like just hoping that she was still alive. I could never imagine that. I could never imagine my own daughters doing the same thing. I'd be, I'd be like losing it. Right. So like, I mean, my mom is a very strong woman, but yeah, I love her. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm sure she's going to be so proud when she hears this too. Yeah. I couldn't imagine if my kids came and followed in my footsteps, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even, even so I still have, a lot of love for this community and the yeah, people that absolutely. are in it. Some very beautiful, beautiful people, just like yourself. Yeah. I'm totally proud of you. I'm so oh, glad thanks. you're here. I have no idea what else to say. I know. I'm trying to use my radio voice here. Here we go. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Signing off. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, actually, why don't I talk to you a little bit about your story sure. in um, the magazine, the Megaphone magazine that came out this month. I'm a published writer. <laughs> yes. This was beautiful because when I read this, it, it, touched me because we haven't seen each other in a while Mm -hmm. and the 215 kids that were found I found myself really depressed and just crying like crying Mm -hmm. because I've I've I found how how lucky am I to be alive Mm -hmm. my grandma and then thinking of somebody hurting my grandmother Mm -hmm. just makes me want to hit somebody you know, so this has really impacted me and I'm reading this today and I found like, I just, I love your, the way you, you see, because you're so much kinder than I am at the end, right? Like, um, you're obviously a very, very wise and peaceful person. <laughs> so yeah. So Eva has a, a article out in this month, in this, um, July's in July's megaphone magazine, um, in the, um, question is, section um that is a column that is managed by nicholas crier uh who is also a part of uh, megaphone and the podcast program we're doing right now so her question was what are some important things that canada needs to work on with indigenous peoples in 2021 and how will you help make this happen so eva tell me a little bit about this all right well so i wrote this shortly after i did a chalk drawing in the west end honoring the 215 children that was found at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. And um, it really, like, was important to me to write something about this, I think, because I just, I, I've, I'm have i just learning about my own culture, right? Being raised white and all. I think that it's part of me, who I am. And it's, this happened to my mom, this happened to my family members, my aunts, my uncles, whatever, right? So... I just started writing, and this is what it came up with. And um, yeah. yeah, I think people should really um, check this out. It's it's a beautiful piece about the um, Indian residential schools and the kids that were found, the the mass graves that were found today. As of to now, it's over a thousand thousand children's bodies found on. Um, I think there's only been three or four residential schools checked at this point. 
which tells us that there are going to be so many more children found. Um, my grandmother's residential school burnt down quite a few years ago. She was in Cocalizo in Chilliwack. So I'm even interested to find out if they find anything there. Like, um, which one, do you know which? Uh, my mom went to Onion Lake, which is in Saskatchewan. So, yeah. I was, want me to quickly read something up from this? Yeah, please read it. Okay, so my mother was a student at St. Anthony's Residential School at Onion Lake, Saskatchewan. I will never know what she endured. I do know she had my oldest brother there, and the father was a priest. I believe she was 16 years old. My mother was given up for adoption, and recently I found him. I, too, am a product of what she endured and her heartache from the years spent there. I am a part of the 60 Scoop, having been adopted out to another family when I was just two. But my great-grandfather's run, blood runs through my veins. His warrior spirit is a part of my spirit. I will fight for peace, but I will also continue to survive and thrive, and I hope to create change for the future generations. I believe that in order for Canada to achieve meaningful reconciliation for the harms that have been inflicted upon us, the truth and nothing but the truth must be told. Through the 215-plus children that have been found and to the countless children that may never be found, may you forever rest in peace with the Creator. That's beautiful. I have a, can I read a poem? Okay. I wrote something, like there's some tweaking it needs, but I'll read some anyway, because this residential school thing has really, uh, really has affected me. And, uh, well, I'm sure it's affected a lot, a lot. And brought up so much stuff for our elders mm -hmm. that lived it, you know. Um, so this is, I haven't decided what to call it, but we'll call it Canada Shame. I see her as a little girl, happy and safe, loving life with her native family. Without warning, strangers came to take her away, to force her to live in their insanity. The strangers brought her so far away from home, she can't understand why her mother left and why she's all alone. Frightened and treated like an animal, though she was just a little girl, residential school would steal her language and culture, now she's trapped in a white man's world. Her heart pounding as she walked through the doors, crying as they cut off her hair. They beat her and swore at her. She needs some help, but there's no one around to care. They starve her or feed her rotten food. They give her fresh milk if they're in a good mood. At night, a priest would come, creeping into her room. He'd rob her of her innocence. Now her future is doomed. They tell her God loves her as they punch her in the face. Jesus loves you, so denounce your evil race. She was never protected or given hugs as a kid. So from then on, her affection she hid. She became a mother to many who she could not show love, angry and confused when people spoke of a God from above. Ashamed to be native, she tried so hard to be white, but her brown skin shone, and it could not hide it from people's sight. Today, hundreds of bodies have been found under the schools deep in the dirt. It pains me to think how much those kids suffered, how much those kids hurt. What horrors did my grandmother witness, I'll never know. But the body count started at 2.15, and the numbers continued to grow. My heart breaks, thinking my grandmother had to live in that place. I could see the toll it took on her from the lines on her face. People should know how much those schools took, hear it from the survivors, and write the truth in their books. The bodies have been found. Things will never be the same. Now the whole world knows of those horrible schools and of Canada's great shame. It's not really done. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, okay, so thank you. You're welcome. We'll just leave you with um, those thoughts. And uh, 
Yeah, I'm so glad you came. Oh. I'm, I hope this worked out. I'm not sure if I, I asked like, questions. Probably because we're, we're friends yeah. for so long. And yeah. like, I guess I should have thought that it would be harder to ask you questions. <laughs> you know? I know, right? Because I already know that. And I want to like, you know, tell my story with your yeah. story. Yeah, and, you right? know, and have a conversation. So we could be here for hours if we did that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we just did uh, have our own radio station. Okay, so just in case this was triggering to anybody, um, and it may have been, um, you're not alone. There is a helpline that you can call, and the number will be given after uh, the podcast. I'm also a counselor, remember? Yes, <laughs> I'll be coming to see you. Um, so please remember you're not alone. Call that number if you're feeling like you've been triggered at all. And um, yeah, thank you and all my relations. Hi, hi. As Angel said, help is available. You can head to the show notes for links to different mental health support services, or you can call one 456 4566 to access a crisis line available anywhere in Canada. This series was produced with support from the City of Vancouver, BC Arts Council, SFU's Community Engagement Initiative, and SFU's Ban City Office of Community Engagement. This podcast was developed through a mentorship program led by Helena Krobath. Special thanks to the storytellers and the voices of the street writers, the supporting mentors, and the audio production team. Please see the show notes for more information about the topics in this podcast. There are places to reach out for support. Our theme song was created by John Brennan, with extra music and sound effects by John Brennan and Helena Krobath. Sound engineering, editing, mixing, and mastering by Paige Smith, Virella Pinios, and Kathy Feng. On behalf of the participants of the Megaphone Podcasting Pilot Project, I would like to give thanks to our Executive Director, Julia Aoki, both the Board of Directors and all the hardworking vendors out there keeping our organization alive. Thank you. And that's a wrap on the Voices of the Street podcast series. This series was produced in partnership with Megaphone Magazine and SFU's Vancity Office of Community Engagement. We'd like to give thanks to all the incredibly talented Megaphone storytellers who participated in the podcasting workshops for this project over the summer of 2021 to lead, curate, and host this series. Jules Chapman, Angel Gates, Nicholas Leach Cryer, and Yvonne Mark. Thank you to the Voices of the Street writers who generously shared their stories and their time. Dennis Gates, Elaine Schell, Eva Takakino, and Peter Thompson. It truly has been an honor to have all of your voices on the Below the Radar podcast feed. More special thanks goes to the workshop facilitator, Helena Krobath, and the many mentors who joined to lend their expertise in the development of this series. Once again, this series was made possible with support from the City of Vancouver, the BC Arts Council, SFU's Community Engagement Initiative, and SFU's Vancity Office of Community Engagement. Sound engineering, editing, mixing, and mastering were done by myself, Paige Smith, and my co-workers Fiorella Pinillos and Kathy Fang. And each episode's beautiful cover art was also created by Kathy Fang. We highly encourage folks to go and purchase your own copy of the annual Voices of the Street anthology, which includes even more writing than was included in this series and Megaphone Magazine's monthly magazine sold on the streets of Vancouver and Victoria by Megaphone's amazing vendors or online at megaphonemagazine.com. Thank you all for listening to the Voices of the Street podcast series. And we'll be back to our usual weekly below-the-radar programming next week. See you then!